I'm going to tell you a quick story. Yesterday, we were preparing for Crypto Town Hall, our Twitter spaces, and we had Ryan Selkis joining, and we were going to go over his 97-thread thesis on what was going to happen in the back half of the year. About 30 minutes before Crypto Town Hall, Alex Mashinsky was arrested. We had this, oh, crap moment. We need to book new guests, talk about Alex Mashinsky, get Celsius Insiders, and then about 20 or 30 minutes into that very Twitter spaces, we got the news very briefly in one sentence that Ripple, that was considered not a security on secondary sale, and as we were on Twitter spaces, dug in further and further. What a day it was yesterday, and we're still absorbing the news of this massive victory, at least in my eyes, of Ripple over the SEC, putting the SEC once again on the ropes, continuing to get beaten down by the justice system. But of course, when it comes to legal cases and the justice system, I don't know very much. So I bring on the people that do. We've got Meta Lawman, James Murphy today, and of course, David Silver, my favorite two lawyers who hopefully I will never have to personally hire. I've also got Eric Crown on the back end to talk about what this means for the markets and to look at some charts. It's going to be a massive show to get today, guys. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and hit that like button. Everybody here is probably subscribed to the channel and has a knee-jerk reaction to hit the like button at this point, but it feels like if you're going to YouTube, you're contractually obligated to say both of those things. Absolutely massive day, guys. Of course, we have a very hyperbolic title. The SEC is dead. Alt season begins. I don't know if either of those things are true, but it's really good to be able to dance on Gary Gensler's temporary grave, at least for one day, right? And I'll take what I can get. Of course, we have the Bitcoin maxis pooing us. Some lawyers saying this isn't really a win for Ripple, saying that it will be appealed, it will go to the Supreme Court, the premise is false, the judge got it wrong. But when have we ever in history of all time on this spinning rock that we live on ever had consensus over a legal decision by any judge ever. I think that uh, maybe the lawyers today will agree with me, but it'll be interesting. Maybe we'll have pushback and they won't. But I'm going to bring him on right now because nobody wants to hear me talk about the law. I've got James Murphy, Meta Lawman, and of course, David Silver. David, you're like in a different place every time we talk. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm sitting in the bathroom at the Four Seasons in Maui right now. Weren't you in Alaska like two weeks ago or something? I think I got the, my earphones on. I'm good now. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, David, that, that's hardcore. What time is it uh, where you are? 3 a.m.? 1 a.m.? 3, 3, 3 a.m. I flew in yesterday, so I'm still on East Coast time. That's hardcore. Okay. Well, well welcome from Alaska. He, he's going to every state uh, not connected to the continental United States. He's on a grand tour of uh, Hawaii and Alaska. He probably can't hear us right now, I can tell. So, James, let's start uh, talking. Is this a win? Let's just start right there. Is this a win? Was this unexpected? What is it? Uh, it was a huge win. Very big day for the XRP community. Anybody who owned XRP. You know, the stakes, uh, Scott, were enormous. Because if the court had ruled that uh, XRP is an unregistered security, think about that for a moment. That means all of the individuals, all of the hedge funds that own XRP are now in possession of an unregistered security which would be illegal to sell to anyone else. And when I say illegal, a crime to sell to anyone else. So what is the value of something that is illegal to sell to anyone? It's zero. So huge day for XRP, the XRP community, huge day for Larson and Garlinghouse. All of their sales are in the clear. Um, and, you know, a very important ruling. It will probably be uh, appealed, but the finding that when, the Larson and Garlinghouse sell on an exchange, and when Ripple itself sells on exchange uh, on an exchange, that's not a securities transaction. Uh, that pretty much puts everybody in the clear uh, who has no affiliation at all with Ripple. Any miscellaneous investor is good, unless this case gets reversed on appeal. Right. And you made the point on a previous show, not only would those people be holding something that's value is zero, Every time they've sold it retroactively, they would have been breaking the law. 
Um, that's true. Whether whether that case would ever have been prosecuted is is doubtful. But that's um, there's a willfulness component. I don't want to overstate it. Uh, if you you know know what you're doing and know that there's a very substantial risk that you're selling an unregistered security, then you're liable for a crime. You have to have a state of mind about about breaking the law. And so, if a federal judge in a very very high profile case rules it is a security an unregistered security, and you go ahead, then you are really taking a substantial risk of, of criminal liability. I'm not sure, David, can you hear us? I, I'm good. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we, we hear you. So do you have the same of effectively the same opinion? You came on Spaces yesterday. I'd stepped off for like five minutes, but I heard you kind of in shock, surprised. Your friends were calling to dunk on you. You said the SEC was going to win. So you were obviously I- at least surprised by the, uh, by the decision. I'm surprised, not shocked, but this is, I feel like the echo chamber of crypto Twitter yesterday was too enthusiastic. There was, there was just, you know, irrational exuberant based on a trial court decision. That was me. Um, Yeah, that was me. Yeah, but go ahead. (laughs) So effectively, this was a split decision and this was the right decision. Now, just because I am wrong doesn't mean that the judge didn't get right. So I, I can acknowledge that. But here, I've always been a believer that the resale on a change is never a security. So I think that, which is the largest component, which is what shot the markets up, is, a, is the right decision. But here, for Ripple, outside, if you take away the clickbait headlines, here, they basically said the initial sale is a security. The fundraising mechanism was a security, but the secondary resale and the sale of tokens on an exchange is not. And that's huge. And that's great for the space. Look, I'm, I have a vested interest in my personal life. Everyone thinks I'm pro crypto. In my personal life, everyone thinks I am a huge crypto, Bitcoin, a token person. In the echo chamber of crypto, it's whether I am seen as a cautious if almost anti-crypto person so there's two very different things going on here um this one this was a huge day for the crypto markets but let's not lose fact the side side of the fact here this is a district court judge we're in the third inning of a baseball game um it's the earth shattering amount of monetary movement yesterday in the crypto market is irrational exuberance and uh, the appeal here and james is right I mean, the SEC is going to come in and appeal this hard, but Ripple is going to appeal this hard too. This was an awful day for the head, the main people who made money at Ripple early on. Um, this case is going to trial. The footnotes in the case are basically just legal, uh, legal, not organized. They're, they're just a crazy legal thing. There's nothing truly settled here. The headline here is great. And I'm not downplaying the importance of what happened yesterday. But what I'm saying here is, this is we're, we're in the third inning of a baseball game, and it's seven nothing. And Ripple had a great day; they had a better they, they they scored seven runs. They should win the game here. But you know, the fact that the sale is bad, it's kind of like the Ethereum presale. The Ethereum presale, and this goes back to the Vindman speech. Ethereum presale should be deemed a security. Everyone else who's touched Ethereum since should not, and that's basically what the court said yesterday. But so, uh, James, isn't this absolutely massive, though, for the Coinbase case? Because uh, to my understanding, the real premise, the grounds from the SEC is that Coinbase, there's a few things. But the main one is that they've been offering the sale of unregistered securities. And if XRP is not an unregistered security on secondary sale, then it seems like the SEC's case against Coinbase just got a hell of a lot weaker. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and you know, I'm a believer in markets and uh, there's a very strong signal in the market about uh, what the market thought the impact on Coinbase. Um, so, yeah, the premise there is that uh, Coinbase has listed crypto assets that are securities. <clears throat> and this decision of Judge Torres totally undermines that idea. And as I said, if Garlinghouse and Larson and Ripple itself can sell their XRP on an exchange and that not be considered a security transaction, then any investor who has no affiliation 
with an underlying project, whether it's Algorand, Solana, or any of the other tokens that are issued in Coinbase, should be in the clear. But as David rightly points out, it's one judge. It's a district court judge. It's not binding precedent. Um, but, you know, these two cases are in the same court there in lower Manhattan. I have no doubt these judges know each other and, and respect each other. And so I think the judge in Coinbase is going to give a good, long, hard look uh, at the decision uh, by Judge Torres. And I think she got it right. It makes sense that you don't enter into an investment contract with somebody you don't know. And as soon as that uh, trade settles, you have nothing to do with them uh, going forward. And none of the money that you receive when you sell that token is being funneled back to Ripple. You know, it, it makes sense that under Howie, it's not an investment contract. So I think she got it right. I, I think that part of the decision will be upheld on appeal, but it's, it's not a sure thing. Um, so when David talks about an, uh, you know, an overreaction, I think there's just a tremendous amount of relief, you know, about yeah. the, the worst yeah. case scenario is now off the table. I also want to talk about that. So I, I do think, to, think it's a rational exuberance. I mean, obviously XRP nearly doubled in price. We saw coins like Matic, ADA, uh, go up, you know, 30 ish percent at, at, at the top, but to be fair and, and David, I don't disagree that the mood was exact, irrational exuberance, but those coins dropped 30% just a couple of weeks ago because they were effectively named passively unregistered securities in enforcement action. So I can see why a Solana, an ADA, a Matic would basically just retrace those losses, which by the way, happened overnight on a Friday, just to get back to the price that they were before that bad news happened. I mean, Ripple has been just taking a beating for years because of this, right? I mean, delisted by every American exchange, exchanges all over the world, they're going to get relisted. Right. So I don't know that like this price move, considering it, it was in the multiple dollars range at one point is so crazy. So I think if you just take a step back and I, I can't swear to this, but I sold my ripple when the SEC sued, uh, when the SEC sued ripple, I sued my, I, I sold my ripple on coin. And why wouldn't you? Day I could. Yeah. Why I wouldn't they sold a 55 cent? So the, it's not irrational if you take from when the case was filed to today, the uptick and so from that perspective, I don't really, because I'm not a price guy, I am not saying it's it's irrational, the actual price movement and the value. I don't talk about value of cryptos. But I did sell mine I, and I would I would buy again today if I believe if I believed in it, if I bought crypto and I just didn't receive it when I settled cases. But from the perspective of is are the markets, I, I don't really, the irrational exuberance, and I think you know this almost plays into the bigger ETF conversation. If you want to look at what Gensler is going to say for everyone who hates Gensler, but if you want to see what the they can say is, look, a district court judge made a ruling that was positive, and the markets have this type of uh, volatility. That's the volatility argument. I, I don't even think, I think you can almost throw out the market manipulation argument for a second. This is just a volatility argument. Look what happened on a district court judge. When I filed the first lawsuit, I think in 2014 against Cripsy, Coindesk reported on every single motion we filed because there was no other real litigation going on. We then sued Coinbase, but every time there was price, we, we truly believed there was price movement in 2014 based on the judge's ruling in that case. And ultimately, I think that that's not good for the space. There should have been a bump yesterday. Absolutely. It was a great day in crypto. It was a great day for crypto believers, but was the bump rationally tied to the metrics of the market? I don't know. Look at Coinbase stocks, for instance. This just means, and I think Coinbase, forget the case for the second, this means Coinbase should be allowed to sell everything right now. Now, until the Second Circuit comes in and knocks down this ruling, which I put it at a 65% chance they don't. They, you know, there's not a, it's not like, you know, appellate courts just normally knock down district court rulings. Most judges will tell you they have a 75, 80% confirmation rate of their rulings. So this is not like a the court's going to come in, but we're 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 in for an eighteen months of there are still a lot of surprises. Again, seven nothing third inning of the baseball game is the best example I can give. Yeah, I, I like that. So here's my next question. So we're obviously celebrating it, this as a win, largely. I do believe that it's a win, certainly for the sixty eight so tokens that have passively been named securities in these SEC enforcement actions. The question now, though, becomes. 
how difficult does this make it for any new project to launch? Like all the existing tokens seem like this is a huge win, but the fact that the XRP offering is actually a security from the beginning, doesn't that mean that it's going to be exceptionally hard for anybody to launch anything else in the United States? Like now we have precedent for that part. Not necessarily. Um, the mechanism of distribution of the tokens has to be reconsidered, but I can imagine, I'm, I'm semi-retired now, but I could imagine lawyers that I used to uh, work with, lawyers I know, are advising, well, what if you just distributed your tokens uh, using an algorithm on an exchange? According to Judge Torres, that's just fine and dandy. So instead of engaging with, you know, the pre-mine and VCs and hedge funds and all of that, which uh, are investment contracts under this ruling, you just distribute your token uh, on exchanges. So some uh, sort of fair, some sort of fair launch that's more available to the public and not to insiders. Yeah, uh, okay. just just uh, for the record, I'm not saying I'm not saying do it. I'm not saying do it. But if the Second Circuit affirms um, what Judge Torres said about those exchange um, sales, then I I would I would presume that you're going to see a lot of advice from lawyers in the space saying, do it that way. I get a little bit like of this. Now it is. I, I feel like I have to say, I used to be at a big law firm in Washington, D.C., and my big law firm friends all reached out to me yesterday. All of them are ecstatic because all this did was create chaos for fancy lawyers at big firms on how to deal with the next round of market launches. Yeah. Um, but they, they all said one thing, and I do agree with what they're saying on this one thing. Coinbase is now, and I, I use Coinbase almost like Kleenex right now, U.S. exchanges now are going to have a more important role. But the problem with what James just said, if you simply drop your token on on Coinbase and then you profit, let's just say, a billion dollars on the first day, without regulation, without who's the gatekeeper of that information, Coinbase isn't going to play that game. Coinbase is going to want to make sure they are protected and they don't create new problems for themselves by making other people rich. They want to just make sure that everything's approved by the- They want to make sure they get rich. And get rich by the trade and get rich on their own stock and get rich on their own trading. But I don't think this is going to open up floodgates for Coinbase to simply start taking every token for free and trading them with- Yeah, I don't think that's what- Yeah, I don't think that's- I think James's point, at least to the understanding of the layperson to me, is that they will- very closely look at the wording and find ways to be arguably compliant in the way that they launch in the future. Right. Is that correct, James? I mean, basically you've got the language here. Now you read it, you interpret it and you find a way. Yeah. You know what? And, and what's left in that, uh, ripple case is, uh, is one claim for aiding and abetting against Larson and Garlinghouse. And, and the issue there is what was in their head, you know, did they, believe or were they reckless about whether it was an issuance of the security? Well, if you think about it, if you're taking action based on a ruling of a federal judge, then I don't think any court's going to find that was reckless to engage in that, you know, that avenue of distribution through an exchange. Um, and by the way, here, here's a funny little quirk here. Um, at some point, uh, if it's upheld, a Ripple's going to have to pay you know, for those institutional, uh, sales, uh, which were deemed to be investment contracts. Uh, and it, and it may be a big number. Here's what's funny. They can just go sell more XRP on an exchange to get well, the money. It was always like, let's be Austin. Larson, let's be honest. Larson and Garlinghouse had a history of, uh, selling into every pump of XRP right there. I, I think we celebrate this this victory because it's a victory for the market, but it doesn't necessarily forgive the things that we viewed as bad behavior or as a little bit on the line at the time, right? Uh, your point is exactly right. They've got a hell of a lot of XRP to sell still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the billion-dollar fine, I think we all agree, if XRP gets it with a billion dollars, they could care less. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's we don't want a OTC market that's unregulated. And I think that's what the SEC is going by. Well, first of all, they're going to appeal and they're going to appeal fairly quickly because they have a PR problem, they have a legal problem, and they have an ethical problem. Those are three bad problems to have when you're a government entity. Normally, the government's supposed to always be on the high road. 
They're supposed to be doing the things that are moral, ethical, and legal. And when the government is the one that now seems to be over three on those three metrics, that's a bad sign. And I guess it's as getting destroyed. Yeah, that that timing issue is a really a really big one. Um, so the question now is, are they going to go forward with a trial? It's going to take a lot of time. There's still more discovery to do, I think. Uh, and try Garlinghouse and Larson on whether they aided and abetted on a claim that the SEC has already won. So there is no incremental benefit uh, to the SEC by even winning that case because they get the complete relief against Ripple. So, however, you know, we have a rule, Scott, that you cannot take piecemeal appeals. You got to appeal one final judgment. There are narrow exceptions if the judge permits you uh, to take something called an interlocutory appeal. Uh, but I agree with David that, you know, the, the timing here, they, I think they want to appeal fast because all of these coin, um, uh, exchange cases, Bittrex, Binance, Coinbase, all of them are going to argue, hey, uh, uh, looky here at uh, what Judge Torres has done. There's no way trades on, the, on our marketplace are securities transactions. We want the case dismissed now. So it's better for the SEC to be able to say, we are appealing that decision as opposed to, you know, one day when the trial's done, the Larson and Garlinghouse, why, by golly, will then appeal in the future is, is less strong. Uh, so I think, you know, it, this is going to be really interesting for us law nerds. Are they going to go forward with a pointless trial against Larson and Garlinghouse where they get no incremental benefit? Or are they going to dismiss uh, and, yeah. uh, and take it immediately uh, to the Second Circuit? At some point, you got to imagine the legislators are going to just start asking the SEC why they're spending all their money on this and why this is such a major focus. Interesting comment here from woman who runs with wolves. I assume we're the wolves. Bottom line, we need smart legislation. Goes on to say, judges can't make laws. Gary Gensler can't make laws, right? But the Howey test also isn't a law from legislation is precedent from a court case, correct? And I mean, that's what we're still talking about 90, 80, 90 years later. Right, but now we've got such great examples around the world of how to do it, you know, in the European Union and and Singapore, Hong Kong, all, you know, Kazakhstan. I mean, we're, we're, it's embarrassing now that we have no regulatory framework passed by our elected representatives who really ought to be the ones making this decision about how this important segment of our economy is going to be regulated. So, you know, there was a, a bill proposed uh, two days ago by uh, Senators Lummis and Gil Gillibrand, which basically makes most, virtually all, crypto assets commodities. And, and it says that the exchanges should be regulated by the CFTC and not the SEC, which would just absolutely destroy this case against Coinbase as well. But, but go ahead. Yeah, that's right. That, that's right. And, and you know what? That kind of is on Gensler. If what he, his enforcement program, this, you know, regulation by enforcement wasn't so, you know, bad and contrary to how the SEC ought to operate and how markets ought to be regulated, that he probably lost the opportunity to uh, be the chief regulator uh, for crypto assets because of his own leadership. And, th and that's something that's pretty significant. I mean, I said this, I said this yesterday on the, after I got off the plane, I think that this is really important. This was a crappy title by the SEC. Everyone knew, every intelligent person knew what Ripple was doing was wrong when this started and they started selling. They didn't bring the action until it was too late. Coinbase. I'm not a believer that because the SEC, you know, they gave the registration statement and let them do the IPO that it was off. They should assume Coinbase in 2015, 2016. Sure. So by waiting, by waiting, they're now the ones with egg on their face and the world has shifted. And as it's become, as crypto has become more relevant in the world and the financial market, the narrative has changed. I think the SEC wins all of these cases and they file them at the appropriate time. Because back then, guys like me who were early adopters, I mean, I'm, I'm not OG, I'm like second G. I've been in the state since 2013. And I, I just think that in 2013, in 20, when this was all happening, that was the time to do this, create the law when crypto wasn't really relevant. 
both the relevance, the timing, and the whole world has changed. And making arguments about these things retrospectively is what just makes the SEC looks bad. And they're making arguments that just aren't applicable today. And we can talk about whether the government, whether the U.S. government is going to do laws. The government, U.S. is eventually going to pass laws. We're just, we're retroactive. We're not a country that does things proactively in the, uh, in when it comes to our law. So I, I, we will see Congress eventually act. They just react reactively. And that's what's happening now. We're fighting fights that we shouldn't be fighting today on old news. And I think that's why the SEC has so many problems in these cases and why guys like me are have egg on our face. Because we were arguing back in the day, like someone threw a tweet at me from like five years ago, uh, yesterday. They love the hell Yeah, <laughs> but I, I like the world has changed. But my again, I in my real personal life, I'm very pro crypto to people who I speak to. At like my kids' soccer games and my kids' like sporting events, everyone there thinks I'm this massively pro crypto person. You, you then you see me on you know uh, crypto town halls. I'm definitely to the left. Like in the echo, I'm to the left or to the right. I don't even know which side I am. Like the echo, I don't know what side. Yeah, but I'm on a side. I'm not in the middle. I'm not in the middle. Ultimately, I think I keep saying this. You like read that in the last 24 hours? The court got it right for today. Yeah, uh, and go ahead, James, and then I want to, yeah. I want to read you the SEC's uh, response to this case. But go ahead, yeah, that, that was that is funny. But you know, so we talked about second order effects. The third order effects, I guess, are the BT the the Bitcoin ETF applications. And when when uh, the SEC was giving this feedback to the, to the recent submissions, hey, uh, get really specific on who you're intending to use your surveillance agreement with, and who's going to custody your assets. They wanted them to say Coinbase because it's very easy to imagine a rejection on the grounds that you are proposing to use a custodian and a market surveiller who is an unregistered uh, national securities exchange, just like we said in the lawsuit, rejected. Um, Now, um, the premise of the the lawsuit is, is shaky. It's not definitively gone, but it's really shaky. Um, and so if they don't have that argument anymore, they're starting to run out of good arguments to prevent, um, a spot ETF given all of the other, you know, more complex derivative products they've, they've, uh, approved. Yeah. I want to just read this really quick. This was the SEC's response to the, uh, judge Torres ruling. We are pleased that the court found that XRP tokens were offered and sold by ripple as investment contracts in violation of the securities laws in certain circumstances. The court agreed with the SEC that the Howey test governs the securities analysis of crypto transactions and rejected Ripple's made-up test as to what constitutes an investment contract, instead emphasizing that Howey and subsequent cases have held that a variety of tangible and intangible assets can serve as a subject of an investment contract. Further, the court rejected Ripple's fair notice argument, noting that the Howey test is clear and that claiming ignorance is not a defense to violate the securities laws. We'll continue to review the decision. This sounds like they're coping. Yeah, I predicted this, you know, uh, when, when there's so much uh, dunking and spiking the ball on, on Twitter and on some YouTube shows I, I went on, you know, the question was, well, how's the SEC going to react to this? I said, they're going to react by saying, this is great. We won. Yeah, we won. Yeah, <laughs> we won. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I, the fact of the matter is they put uh, a big, dark cloud over trading of XRP today on secondary markets. And, you know, I guess it's partly cloudy now. I mean, it's uh, much of it has been removed. They lost, they lost in a big way. Um, and I don't think they have much of a choice, but to appeal. And what I say to people is who are like, why, why would they appeal? It's clear now they lost. I'd say, well, let, let's put the shoe on the other foot. If, if, if Torres had ruled XRP itself, the token is a security, all trading on the secondary market is uh, securities transactions. Is there any doubt that the defendants would appeal, that the XRP community would, by golly, demand uh, appeal? No, there's no doubt. Um, but like I said, I, I, I believe in the signal of, of the market in terms of who won. We saw what happened with that XRP price, what's happened with Coinbase. What if the SEC was a stock? Would it be up or down after that decision was uh, rendered? I, I think uh, it, it would have hit an air pocket and uh, 
and found a lower level. Look, I've been using Rocky for the last 24 hours, you know, <laughs> this is for the first, the first Rocky quote that's important, Rocky in, I think it was Rocky Balboa, I guess the fifth one. No, Tommy, yo, I, I, I haven't heard a bell yet. This is, the, the fight's not over. That's number one. And number two, and this one's what happened yesterday, is when he hit Drago and you see the blood trickling out of Drago's eye. Look, man, he's bleeding. He bleed. The SEC is bleeding right now. And, you know, th this is going to open up for the Wolves. I mean, you got to remember, you have Coinbase, Finance, and Bittrex, all with the best lawyers in the world fighting the SEC who are salivating, one, that the lawyers are going to make a ton of money because this made their lives and their arguments a lot easier. And number two, the Coinbase approach of Coinbase, you have to remember, has been issuing press releases via their file. Everything Coinbase does is basically a press release. I'm a huge fan of that legal strategy. But they themselves said, if you don't grant our uh, major questions argument, we're going to ask for an interlocutory appeal. So there's... Uh, even the SEC right now might be like, hmm, thanks, guys. You know, now we're going to ask for this interlocutory appeal. It sounds like a big word, but all that means is that a party can skip in front of the rest of the case and try and go to an appeals court. And I think what James was saying is very true. Why fight the trial for the rest of the XRP issues that you've already won and now you're just talking about a fine, whether it's a dollar or five billion, doesn't really matter. If you can skip to the head of the line and get a, a, an appellate court decision, you're one step away from the Supreme Court. And let me tell you something, there's a big difference here between what the Second Circuit is going to do, which is a more liberal circuit, versus what the Supreme Court, a more conservative uh, bench, is going to do, because the Supreme Court is going pro-business all the way. So we have no idea what the conservative Supreme Court is going to do with crypto, because there are a lot of people who, if I'm old, I was called I was called a boomer yesterday. I was very offended by being called a boomer yesterday. I'm 46, and I'm like way boomer in this community so me too i'm 46 also and we are inwardly boomers but then boomers. the supreme court's freaking old so at this point that's really an important distinction that if they do get to cut the line that's 18 months more of uncertainty yeah i don't disagree i thought when you were either quote rocky you were just gonna scream adrian or or you say if he dies he dies right but uh you went with the you went with different ones probably the most some of the most quotable movies so i didn't expect you to go to rocky balboa which is like kind of the worst one honestly honestly I, I mean any final thoughts here guys on what you know what what this all means if we missed anything i think we kind of discussed what it means for coinbase i think we discussed what it means for future launches i think we know what it means for all the other coins in existence is there anything that we're potentially missing here or is there any chance like a lot of lawyers have been saying that the judge just completely got this wrong well, lawyers are saying that. I disagree. I, I think it makes sense that on an exchange, you're not entering into a, an investment contract with a counterparty that you have no idea who they are. Um, so I think she got got that right. Um, and, you know, honestly, as a lawyer, it's, uh, you know, tip of the cap to uh, that legal team that, that Ripple put together, a real all-star expensive team. Uh, that that really sort of put the SEC on trial through discovery and got more information out of the SEC than any case I've ever seen. Um, and then John Deaton as well, coming in on behalf of thousands of XRP holders, I think that was impactful. And the reason I think that is it's right there in the opinion that she cites to that and says that purchasers of the, in this, what she calls programmatic trading on exchanges, may not have ever heard of Ripple. You know, so they weren't thinking that they were, you know, making an investment of money into Ripple. Uh, and so uh, hats off. I mean, people have have a good reason to to celebrate that whole XRP community. It's been a punishment since December of 2020, just dealing with this process. And by the way, it isn't easy. If you've been through this, you never forget it. The psychological toll it takes on people like uh, Garlinghouse and Larson um, to be, you know, accused of fraud for years by the most powerful entity on the face of our earth, and that is the U.S. federal government. To bear up under that day in and day out takes a psychological toll. So, so my hat's off. They decided they could have. I bet you they could have settled on the exact terms of this, uh, where Judge Torres came out. They would have been delighted. Yeah, we'll pay it. We'll pay a fine as long as. XRP is cool now, we're good. 
so hats off to them. And uh, but it's a that's a battle. War's not over. It's important for people to keep that in mind. Hold before we let you go to sleep. <laughs> I'm I'm a New York Mets fan, and the New York Mets are Sorry. finding ways to lose right now with the biggest payroll in Major League Baseball. I think that we have to be very careful here because if XRP and the crypto community overshoots and does stupid things based on this, that they still have a chance to lose. If oh, that's what we do. I think what James just said actually nails what happens. Ripple would have taken this decision and would have taken this ruling on day one, and the SEC never would have agreed to this. So don't be the New York Mets and find ways to lose and do not steal do not steal, do not steal the, like, don't defeat, you have the victory in your Defeat, don't victory out of your hand and grab defeat. So I think there's a lot of, again, good, it was good, but there's a lot of irrational exuberance. There's a lot of things going on. The long-term impact here is simply, you had a really good day, enjoy it. Uh, I, I do think that, you know, the legal teams for all the exchanges right now are salivating on how to move forward. But there are a lot of ways that this can still go sideways. This is not, you know, this is not the end. We're still seven nothing in the third inning. Great place to be. I'd rather I'd rather be winning seven nothing than losing seven nothing. Yeah, especially if like a tornado or hurricane comes through and they call the game and we win it, it's over. Listen, I'm gonna enjoy my exa- irrational exuberance for a day, but I will identify as an irrational exuberator for today and just accept it and move on, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Got to move on to uh, Eric, who's been waiting patiently in the wings to talk about what this means for the market. Gentlemen, I'm sure uh, see you on Twitter Spaces or something very soon. Thank you very much. I will. Thanks, guys. Guys, as I said, we're moving on now to talk about what this all means for the markets. Absolutely massive day for the markets. I got to watch uh, Eric getting dressed in the wings, which is pretty cool. <laughs> I was also eating some uh, watermelon as well. Get stuck, stop. I think he's eating watermelon, getting some <laughs> buttons ready, you know, like whatever, man. So, you know, it's cool. It's uh, easy. There as well. Yeah. Hey, good <laughs> to see us, Goff. Good to see you too. Monster week for markets, right? Just just in general. I think this was the best week for stops uh, basically since November. Uh, we obviously saw the Ripple decision coming in yesterday, which sent altcoins and kind of the crypto market flying. Not as much Bitcoin as maybe people would have expected. Um, so what are you looking at right now? Like broad strokes for the markets? Well, I'll strokes for the markets. I mean, if you're talking about cryptocurrency, um, as always for me, the focus is on Bitcoin, right? And Bitcoin did get a decent move yesterday. Nothing groundbreaking. It was mostly about, uh, yeah, kind of weak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly about the altcoins. It kind of seemed like to me. And, you know, obviously that was related to, um, well, you know, the, uh, the decision that came out yesterday. So it's actually very interesting to listen to the prior two guests about that. Um, I'm no lawyer, nor do I claim to be, but, uh, as far as technical analysis goes, as far as quantitative analysis goes, you know, I'm still looking at, uh, my models, which suggests that higher is more likely than, uh, than lower in the, at this point. I can show my screen over here. If you, uh, yeah, please do. If you yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I, would, I would desire that. Let me make sure, sure I don't right. give you the wrong tab because, uh, I have some, I won't bring, I don't, I won't bring it up to give me the thumbs up because, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know we're good. Yeah. It's just, it looks uh, like a not embarrassing chart. Yeah. Okay. Good, <laughs> yeah. None of that hentai going on. That's good. Um, anyways, uh, don't laugh. Uh, <laughs> so as far as Bitcoin goes, you know, as uh, you know, on the higher term timeframes here, I do look at this as, as still kind of range bound. Now it is in a kind of, it is in a very powerful position within this range. However, um, you know, the big area for me is about 30,800 right now. Uh, so as long as Bitcoin's above there, Pressure remains on to the upside. I look at this as just a genuine pullback and probably continuation to come over the next uh, couple of weeks. I believe we spoke on a spaces actually two weeks ago, um, and I kind of said the same thing. Uh, and I think that now is you know two weeks away from that, and we're probably seeing kind of the next move of or the next leg of this move start to slowly emerge. So the models that I'm looking at right now um, come in twofold, or, or at least the two I think main ones that I probably want to present on a uh, on a video like this would be one. Um, this is uh, this is based off of an indicator setup um, and strategy that I have here on TradingView. It's very very simplistic, just a momentum oscillator slash volatility indicator, and then using um, a statistics indicator to take profit. And if I go ahead and back test this relationship um, that this uh, that, that this strategy has had, 
on the 12 hour time frame, we've seen 35 of these setups over the past uh, four years now, going back to 20, uh, 2019. And of those 35, uh, about 63% almost have been, you know, a profitable move to the upside. In this case, uh, this one did fire off more recently here at about, uh, this was, this was Sunday, actually Sunday when, when Bitcoin was trading about 30,150 or so here on Bybit. And, you know, that would have a slightly higher probability for obviously uh, upside in this case, going back into the strategy tester. We can see a lot of things through the performance summary, actually. And the ones that I really want to be focusing on here is that if this does play out in that upside fashion, which, you know, slightly higher probability, um, the average winning trade was printing about 15, 16%. You know, there's going to be some variance within that, of course. But uh, in this case, you know, if we were to play around with numbers here and just look at the, uh, you know, look at what that would look like on the charts, well, that would be suggesting, uh, you know, 16% plus current uh, or not current price, but from where that setup was given, that put Bitcoin somewhere around 35,000 bucks. You know, I think that's a rather interesting target, um, all things considered, because that is one of the last major CME gaps coming in from last year's, uh, oops, I am on the wrong chart right there. There we go. Um, I'm on the, you know, I, I, I'm looking at this, uh, this gap. I don't, chart, I don't think your chart changed for us. So uh, it might have a that, oh, and, uh, bastard. Okay, I see. I see what happened. I just do it. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was me. That, that was my bad. On, on your last chart, I did notice this is <laughs> the highest. Since you're looking at the 12 yeah. hour, this was the highest yeah. 12 hour close yet in this entire yeah. cycle was uh, two days ago. That's interesting. Right. Go ahead. My, my apologies. I completely whiffed that one. Um, so here would be the setup. Uh, again, just the momentum and volatility indicator combined with statistics indicator. And, uh, and basically, when we've seen the, this setup fire off over the past three years, I'll just show you the stats back again over here. It's been 35 over the past four years. Uh, about 63% of those have had some nice upside movements. So again, going into the performance summary, you know, we did see uh, for the winning side, for the winning trades, those did print about an average of 15, 16%. Um, on the losing side, 13%. So, you know, th these are big numbers here, very, very big numbers. However, in this case, you know, this one does end up being a loser. It will be considered a loser by this algo. Um, below about 29,500, 29,400. But until then, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but until then, you know, pressure on, risk remains to the upside as far as I'm concerned. And uh, like I said, putting, uh, you know, 15, 16% on current price action, that puts Bitcoin somewhere around 35. Again, that is uh, very, very close or right in alignment with um, one of the last CME major gaps come in from May of last year on this gap down. Yeah, May, May 2nd of last year. So I, I do like that as kind of like a general area of interest. I'm sure if we were to put on an inverted FIB here, which I believe I already have, yes, indeed, that would actually be the 382 uh, Fibonacci retracement from the ultimate high to the ultimate low of this cycle thus far, um, which is a pretty, I mean, all things considered, when we're talking about like macro cycles, that's that's a pretty realistic um, uh, kind of balanced play. You know, even if you're like super bearish, that's not like out of the, it's not like yeah, it's a good place to look for a short. I mean, if you're super bearish, be, you yeah. just you're looking for higher prices to short if you're being honest, right? So, <laughs> or you just short the whole way up. Um, <laughs> Great. Yeah. So, yes, uh, you, you mean the people who've been shorting since seventeen thousand? Yes, I, I know those guys. That's a that's a rough conversation to be having, man. I mean, at that point, Bitcoin already went down like what seventy, eighty percent. Actually, I'm just uh, yeah, well, eighty percent. Yeah. yeah, rough, man. Anyways, um. You know, again, so that would be that model. I, I have another model if you want to go through it as well, but uh, I kind of suggest something relatively similar here. Just a volatility versus stochastic momentum setup. Volatility represented by this indicator. Anytime we see it get down towards these extreme lows, the expansion phase that naturally falls, mathematically falls, as it is kind of programmed to do such, uh, has led to about an, uh, you know, an average move of around 40% over the course of a month, you know, a uh, little over a month, actually, 37 days, with the standard deviation of about 10 from that number. So, you know, looking at this one um, and looking at the direction of the stochastic oscillator, which has had a high probability um, uh, for a move in that direction, in this case, you know, very obviously to the upside, this one fired off from 25,000 bucks. And, you know, if, if you were to add on 40% from that low, where does that put Bitcoin? That puts Bitcoin 35, 36,000 bucks as well. Again, we kind of get like a time frame for this. That would be around end of July. Again, th these are averages, doesn't need to be exactly that, but somewhere around there would kind of make sense. And actually, oh, I did it again, man. I did it again. <laughs> Here's the step. I, I have to realize. And I, I'm totally watching and think you're talking. It's, we're good. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, here it is. We don't need to go through the explanation again, but uh, yeah. basically same, same sort of area right here, right? Um, and, uh, and given a bit of a time frame on that as well. In fact, the prior chart, which I, I will now remember to go back into here, 
if we go into the strategy tester, it can give us some ideas as far as when that move would likely occur as well. And I do believe it's kind of a nice end of July date. Let me just pull it up right here. Yeah, average amount of bars and winning trades was 40. So on a 12-hour time frame, that's 20 days. This one, again, fired off on the night uh, of this month. So yeah. 29th, yeah, right at the end of the month. Somewhere around there, yeah. So those are my two models that I'm looking at right now. They basically get invalidated for the current move below about, let's just call it 29.5. I'd even say it would be quite concerning if Bitcoin came back down in the short term below about 30,800 or so. Um, So until then, you know, just looking at this move to kind of move sideways and up from here and frustrate uh, people more and more. Grinding up would crush crush people. Slow grind yeah, yeah, exactly. not give anyone a clear entry would, would crush people. What do you make of the fact that Bitcoin has obviously been effectively completely uncorrelated of late? Right? I mean, even CPI, PPI comes in, stock market yeah. goes nuts, Bitcoin just kind of sideways. I mean, I love that you can just look at the chart and trade it. You don't have to think about uh, mm-hmm. macro. You don't have to pretend you're a Fed expert anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you 100% on that. Um, you know, honestly, man, I... I don't really have any like strong thoughts on that, to be honest with you. Um, as far as Bitcoin's correlation, I think people look at correlation in the wrong way to begin with. I think you you really want to be looking at the regression, like the R squared of correlation, because correlation, you know, fluctuates on like a tick by tick basis. And you don't really need to see things operate like that. Um, what you're really looking for is a general trend in that same direction, which can emerge over, you know, weeks and months uh, across these markets. So I just look at it as, you know, you know how like shit coins typically play uh, later than Bitcoin, like Bitcoin makes moves, then it goes into Ethereum, then it goes to shit coins, blah, blah, blah. The way that I see it for Bitcoin is like it's a shit coin relative to traditional markets. So traditional markets have gone, you know, vertical, obviously. I mean, we saw. Right. That's a Bitcoin's actually wildly yeah. performing. I mean, you could say yeah, lag, yeah. but right. Right. I don't think so. But yeah. But to me, uh, wow, this one. Holy shit. This one's almost at 16,000. Wow. Okay. <laughs> looking yeah, at, I, mean, the yeah, I mean, dude, uh, you look at stocks. Stocks right now are uh, not so far off their eyes, right? I mean, for, yeah. from uh, from from last year, it's pretty nuts. But my man, we have a looming recession. Yeah. Yep. Algo, Algo's breaking out, guys. I saw him right here. He doesn't look at shit coins. <laughs> Busted. There we go. Yeah, that was worse than that old type. That's right, man. No more, uh, no more paywalls for me. I can buy my own. Um, <laughs> but you know, the way that I look at it is traditional marks being strong. That probably spills into Bitcoin. Just happens a little bit later because Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. I mean, you know, it's still a pretty risky market and. It's just it's weaker relative to real stocks that have earnings and you know stuff like that. That would be my main disposition there. But again, I don't really have strong opinions on uh, on those correlations and whatnot. So what's Algo doing over there versus Bitcoin? It's uh, it's actually that was actually my Algo, not Algo coin. Algo, that was a yeah, that was a strategy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was a strategy. Um, it actually, uh, I don't know if I necessarily want to go to it right now, but. Just took a long, like on a 10 minute. No need. There you go. Game winning trade. He's literally like live trading on the other screen while we're not (laughs) on. It's actually my bot. Yeah. Kind of, it does everything on its own, which is nice. But uh, but yeah. Yeah. Nice and safe. Is there anything else that you're watching? I mean, anything that you like, any entries that you're stocking on any assets, or is it pretty much, you know, you're you're looking at Bitcoin? I mean, do you think that the stock market's due for a reversal here? I think we got to get a correction soon, but hey, what do I know? Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I do think that it will play out a nice pullback relatively soon. Um, you know, 16,000 to 16,300 is kind of my area that I've really been looking for. Um, it, that, this is a hell of a move right here, though. I, I, it's, 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 I, I, did, I wouldn't short it, though. You know, I just want like, to. I mean, but yesterday I, I had bought, uh, well, I, admittedly, like for investment portfolio on the way down, I bought Meta at 232 when it hit oh, the 200 yes. weekly. I may have broke right down. Yeah, not so yeah. nice, though, when it goes down to 89. But then I loaded up heavily. <laughs> but then I loaded up heavily again at 100. And I said, yes, oh, I, you sold. I sold most of that at 314 yesterday. Oh, God. Yeah, that couldn't have been better, man. Wow. Right. That's that, the, doesn't like, that doesn't mean I'm calling the top. It just means I'm super excited. Right. That I right. Three X meta trade in within a year. I do think there might be a correction, but I also didn't sell it all. Right. To tell, you know, so. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking at this weekly right here for NASDAQ and it's a bullish engulfing. I mean, yeah, it's 
I mean, maybe it does go for sixteen three hundred before it tries for a pullback, but this thing is. <laughs> if that's not climbing the wall of worry, I don't know what the hell is. Yeah, is. even if it drops, that's going to make just the cup and handle of that yeah. proportions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it could easily come down to like fourteen thousand bucks, and I'd still be bullish on it. You know, that's just yeah, it's just insane. Um, and you know, great. other than that, the other chart that I like to watch recently is just Dixie. You know, the dollar index. Yeah. Um, this one had a clean breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that this one generally trades lower towards like 98, 97 region and probably try for a bounce there. But uh, until then, you know, I, I think that we have a, uh, a nice rally in our hands and probably a big correction maybe later this year. I think it could be even be, you know, as much as like 30, 40 percent for Bitcoin. But um, in the meantime, you know, how high does it get first? I think mid 30s is pretty reasonable. Things get really crazy, maybe low 40s. And uh, and it's 30 to me. Yeah, <laughs> and if I really get crazy with it, man, if I really want to get Scott all jacked up over here, maybe Dude. mid fit, maybe mid fifties, maybe. Yeah, but it's gonna happen. I mean, Dixie, I was just happy. I had like the perfect that. storm. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't checked Dixie this morning, but sub hundred is meaningful. Yeah, very meaningful. One point seven nine, I'm seeing. So that's meaningful. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So you know, all these things. Um, all, all, all things considered, we've been looking at a pretty damn boring market actually in cryptocurrency land for the past what three four weeks, and yeah, you know after a, after a consolidation like that, I, I think you can expect that there's going to be some more fireworks on top of this current rally. Um, you know, it, it'd be very uncharacteristic for it not to have continuation. Again, I have my invalidations below twenty nine five and big warning flag below about thirty thousand eight hundred, but in, but as long as it's above there, sideways and up is the name of the game. Sounds good to me, man. I appreciate your time. As always, let you go back to your uh, watermelon and hentai. Oh, baby. Can't wait. Enjoy it. All right, man. You're a legend. I uh, uh, hope to have you on soon. And uh, of course, All the best guys face. as well. Thanks, man. Thank you, man. Guys, I need a, you know, title. SEC is dead. Okay, they're not dead, but they're reeling. All season begins. I have no fucking idea, but it was really fun to watch yesterday. I do think that uh, to, to Eric's point, like if we extrapolate that down to all coins, I do think that we're going to see this bullish momentum continue, you know, kind of retrace a little bit here, up, 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 all things pointing bullish. Gotta love it. Now we're going to go talk the shit out of XRP again on Twitter spaces at 10.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Guys, don't miss that, of course. I know that you've all already tried, checked out, meld. Am I hitting it? There it is. Check down meld. But go do that down in the description. Guys, I got to run. I only got 20 minutes to get ready for the next show, which should go for hours. I appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys showing up. Huge thanks to all of the guests today. Metal Law Man, James Murphy, Dave Silver, and of course, the legend, Eric Crown. Peace, guys. See you on Monday. Monday.